Our scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Hello, everyone. In 2008, I traveled to Cuba for the very first time. It wasn't a vacation. It was an opportunity to go to explore some possibilities of future ministry that we could partnership with at our church. I couldn't have imagined at that time the depth of relationship that we would build as we invested the next 13 years, as I would return each year, sometimes more than once a year. Sometimes I return with a team to train and encourage pastors and to provide practical assistance for their families and congregations. We were forging partnerships to come alongside to assist them in accomplishing the vision that God had given them. For the most part, it's still the same group of pastors after all these years. Their children are now grown up and are getting married and having children of their own. Now, because of the pandemic, I have not been able to travel and spend time with my Cuban family. And to say that I miss them a lot would be an understatement. I miss the sound of the roosters announcing the end of a dark night and the dawning of a new day. I miss the smell of the early morning charcoal fires as the outdoor cooking of beans and rice begins before the day gets too hot. I miss the unconditional embrace of their love and their generous hospitality. As I think about Cuba these days, I can hear the rooster, I can smell the charcoal, I can feel their embrace. Now what I find interesting is that our scripture today is connected to the early morning crowing of a rooster, 
the smell of a early morning charcoal fire and an unconditional loving embrace. Our current sermon series is entitled 40 Days, and we are considering some of the appearances of Jesus following the resurrection. Last week, Pastor Scott focused on John 21 and Jesus' appearance to the disciples at the Sea of Galilee and the miraculous catch of fish. I'm going to be focusing on the second part of this scripture today, and we'll be considering the reinstatement of Peter. We will see today that even though we experience profound failure in our lives, Jesus responds to us with compassion, love, and restoration. Now, to really appreciate what is happening in our scripture today, we need to consider the broader context of Peter's failure and his ultimate restoration. So the first thing I want us to focus on is the prediction found in John chapter 13. The account of Peter's failure began on the night of Jesus' arrest and the day before the crucifixion. Jesus was with the 12 disciples in the upper room sharing a Passover meal. The focus of the evening was on Jesus preparing his disciples for his soon departure. Danger was looming and Jesus was talking about dying and going to the Father. Despite Jesus' teaching, Peter and the other disciples did not understand. Jesus had indicated that a great cost would be involved in the laying down of his life. Peter was sincere and genuinely wanted to go with Jesus right up to the very end, regardless of what was going to happen. Jesus told him that he would follow later, but not at this time, because there was a work that he, Jesus, needed to do first. Peter responded to Jesus by proclaiming that he was ready and he was willing to even die for Jesus. You see, Peter believed that he was ready to die for Jesus, but the truth was he was not ready and Jesus knew it. This moment was about Jesus laying his life down for Peter and the other disciples, and in fact, the whole world. It was not about Peter laying down his life for Jesus. Jesus told Peter something in this moment that would impact him significantly. Not only was Peter not ready to die for Jesus, but before the rooster crowed at dawn, Peter would deny Jesus three times. Rooster crowing marked the time when the darkness of night would give way to the light of dawn appearing on the eastern horizon. Jesus was telling him that he would deny him three times before the rooster crowed. Peter was shocked. He couldn't imagine that this could be possible. Now I want us to note, if you look closely at the scripture, the conversation recorded during the remainder of the meal involved the other disciples, but there's no record of Peter speaking again after this moment. He's likely devastated at the suggestion that he would deny Jesus, and he's reflecting on what Jesus had said. Secondly, we're going to look at denial found in John chapter 18. While Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples were sleeping, Judas arrived with a band of temple soldiers to arrest Jesus and take him to the high priest. Peter and an unnamed disciple discreetly tracked and followed Jesus and his captors from Gethsemane over the Kidron Valley to the residence of the high priest in Jerusalem. 
The unnamed disciple was well known to the household of the high priest and was able to attain access into the courtyard at the high priest's home for himself and for Peter. The first denial came at the admittance into the courtyard at the gate. A servant girl was attending the gate and she recognized both of the disciples and asked him, Peter, you are not one of the disciples, are you? Peter replied, I am not. Peter and the other disciple moved over to the charcoal fire in the courtyard to warm themselves. Jerusalem is 2,600 feet above sea level, and this is likely a chilly spring night. Charcoal fires provided great heat and low lighting. It's perfect for Peter to get warm and hope to not be recognized. But as he was warming himself, he was asked a second time by the others, aren't you one of the disciples? And Peter emphatically replied, I am not. When Jesus was arrested in the garden, we read of Peter drawing his sword and he cut off the ear of a man named Malchus. Jesus rebuked Peter for this response. This was not the type of kingdom that Jesus had come to bring. And so he healed Malchus of his injury. Well, a relative of Malchus was present around the fire. And he looked at Peter and said, didn't I see you with Jesus in the garden? He was sure that he saw Peter, but Peter once again denied it. Immediately, the rooster began to crow. John doesn't give us any further information, but Luke tells us that at that moment, Jesus looked at Peter. He made eye contact. And both Mark and Luke tell us that Peter went outside at that moment and wept bitterly at his appalling behavior. What he never thought was possible had just taken place. Thirdly, restoration found in John 21. It was early morning when the darkness of night was giving way to the light of day. The disciples had fished all night without success. As the sun began to rise, they were wet, cold, and discouraged. In the meantime, Jesus was on the beach, but they didn't recognize him. Perhaps it was the morning mist or that they were so preoccupied with their work that they hadn't noticed him. Jesus called out to them and asked if they had any fish. No, they replied. So he instructed them to throw the net on the other side of the boat. And when they did, the catch was so great that they could not land it in the boat. We heard all about that last week. But suddenly one of the disciples recognized Jesus. And Peter, in typical Peter fashion, put on his outer garments and jumped into the water to get to Jesus while the others followed with the boat and the fish. For Peter, this was a moment that was mixed with great joy and great fear. He was excited to see Jesus, but no doubt conscious of his failure at the same time. Jesus had a charcoal fire burning with fish and bread cooking on it. He invited him to bring some of the fish they had caught and to eat it with them. This was a significant moment. The biblical word for companion here means one with whom we share bread. Jesus was sharing more than bread. He was their companion. He was offering companionship. He was offering relationship. 
The last time Jesus broke bread with Peter, he told him that he would fail and deny him. This time, as they broke bread, he was restoring him. Jesus was showing Peter that he still loved him, that he was not disqualified because of his failure. Jesus then asked Peter three questions. Now, Peter on many occasions had communicated to Jesus that he indeed loved Jesus more than all the others did. So Jesus asked him, do you love me more than these men? Peter's response was, you know that I love you. The second time Jesus asked, do you truly love me? Peter replied, you know that I love you. The third time Jesus asked, do you love me? And Peter replied, you know I love you. In light of Peter's declaration of love for Jesus, Jesus reinstated him in his ministry to take care of Jesus' sheep, to watch over them, to provide for them. It's important that we see the parallels here. Peter denied Jesus three times, with the final time coming at the break of dawn while around a charcoal fire. Jesus reinstated Peter at the break of dawn around a charcoal fire, asking three times if he loved him. Jesus invited Peter to follow him like he did the first time when Peter became a disciple. You see, the word follow means to keep on following. Don't stop following. Jesus predicted that Peter's faithfulness would lead to laying down now his life in the future for Jesus. Peter wasn't ready before, but he's ready now. He had failed Jesus before, but Jesus responded with compassion and restoration. The resurrection was about new life, new beginnings, a second chance, restoring relationship. The resurrected Jesus was providing a new beginning, a second chance, a restored relationship to Peter and the other disciples in this story. There are three things that I would like to focus on from our scripture today. The first is regret. Like Peter, all of us have likely had moments when we have said that we would never do something only to end up doing that very thing. The result is embarrassment, perhaps broken trust or deep pain. It could be a destroyed reputation, a broken relationship with others, a broken relationship with God. It could be a destroyed marriage or destroyed family. And so we need to be careful because we are all capable of sinning and doing wrong things and hurting other people more than we might think. Now, I'm sure that Peter had many moments when he wished he could go back, when he wished he had responded differently, when he wished he had done the right thing. I wonder if he was prompted every morning when he heard the rooster crow. Every time the smoke of a charcoal fire wafted in his direction. See, the truth is, he couldn't go back. He broke trust. He was disloyal. He abandoned Jesus at a critical time. Peter 
failed. He couldn't change the past, but he could change the future. I'm sure that all of us have regrets in our lives. We wish we could go back. We wish we could do some things differently. We wish we had not done what we did or not said what we had said. And like Peter, we realize that we can't go back, that what is done is done. It can never be undone and it carries a huge impact. Many of us understand what it means to have regrets. Secondly, second chances. Guilt and shame often cause us to travel down familiar, predictable roads. For Peter, his failure led him down the road to Galilee to his old life, a familiar life where he could create a future for himself and his family despite his shame. Now, we sometimes do the same thing. We fail and we are guilty. And so we head down roads that seem familiar and comfortable, where we can depend on our own strength and efforts to chart the best future that we can. For some, it may mean walking away from faith and your church community. It might mean walking away from your marriage, your family, or your friends, because you believe that this is your only option. It might mean walking towards things that are not good for you. Now, while Peter was doing this, Jesus showed up. And I want us to notice today that Peter didn't go to Jesus, but Jesus came to him. He didn't even recognize Jesus at first, but when he did, he came running. Jesus doesn't wait for us to take the initiative. The resurrection is a reminder that Jesus took the initiative to pay the price for our sins, for our mistakes, for our poor choices, for our failures. And so whether you recognize him or not, he is right there with you, waiting for you to recognize him, to see him, to respond to him by running to him. And even when you go down the wrong road, Jesus is there on that wrong road waiting for you, ready to bring you back to the right road. If those you hurt are willing to forgive you and give you a second chance, then you are blessed and you should value that opportunity. If those you hurt cannot forgive you and give you another chance, please know that Jesus is offering you forgiveness and a different future anyway. The resurrection is about hope in the midst of despair. It's about life coming from death. It's about victory being snatched from the jaws of defeat. It's about the impossible becoming possible. It's about a fresh start. It's about a new beginning. We can't change the past, but with Jesus, we can have a better future. And thirdly, daybreak. It was at daybreak around a charcoal fire that the rooster's crow announced Peter's failure. It was at daybreak around a charcoal fire that the loving embrace of Jesus announced Peter's restoration. Now, if you study scripture closely, you will see that God does some of his best work at daybreak. In Genesis chapter 32, Jacob is exhausted from wrestling through the night 
with this heavenly messenger, but at daybreak, his character is changed and he receives the blessing that he needs to fulfill God's purpose for his life. In Exodus chapter 14, we see that the Israelites are trapped between an Egyptian army that's pursuing them and the Red Sea. Defeat seemed inevitable. Things were hopeless. There was no way out. They were trapped. But at daybreak, God opened the sea so they could cross over safely on dry ground and then destroyed their enemies that were pursuing them. In Daniel chapter 6, we read that the king who had Daniel throned in the den of lions arose from his bed at daybreak to find that God had protected Daniel through the night and Daniel was set free at daybreak. In the Gospels, we read of the women coming to the tomb to mourn the loss of Jesus and prepare him for a proper burial. But at daybreak, their hope was restored because he was alive. Folks, daybreak is the place where God swallows the troubles that chase us. Daybreak is the place where God declares that enough is enough and intervenes for us. Daybreak is the place where God sets us free. Daybreak is the place where God's protection and provision for us through the dark night is revealed and we can see it. Daybreak is the time when we walk away from the struggle, yes, with a limp, yet we are more prepared than ever to embrace God's purpose for our lives. Daybreak is the time when Jesus reminds those of us who feel disqualified because we have failed too much, that there is still a place for us. Some of us have had to endure a long, dark night. Many of us have had to face our greatest fears. Many of us have lost hope because there appears to be no way out. Many of us have given up on ourselves because of our failures and we are engrossed in anxiety and depression. But I want you to know today, the dawn is breaking. The darkness is lifting. A glimmer of light is beginning to penetrate. Hope is rising. God is working. Enemies are being defeated. And you will experience victory because there is no darkness powerful enough to ever extinguish the light and hope of God. In conclusion this morning, the resurrection of Jesus is about new life, new beginnings, a second chance, restored relationship. Jesus' encounter with Peter after the resurrection reminds us that even though we experience profound failure in our lives, Jesus responds to us with compassion, love, and restoration.
scripture today, 
we see that Jesus' hospitality on the beach that morning was a reminder that his original plan was still unfolding and that their part in it was as important as ever, despite their misunderstanding, their assumptions, and their failures. Now, we sometimes believe that our failures, our struggles, disqualify us from Jesus' grace and mercy. But nothing could be further from the truth. All of us are welcomed around the fire. All of us are extended the gracious hospitality of Jesus. Perhaps you haven't handled your circumstances like you should have. Perhaps you are disappointed with yourself. Perhaps you are confused and you're questioning God. Perhaps you've given up on God's purpose, promise, or plan for your life. But that doesn't keep you from sharing the hospitality of Jesus. Jesus creates moments where he can come to where we are in the midst of our raw emotion and reality and invite us to rediscover the things that we have doubted and lost sight of. Sharing communion together is a moment that Jesus has created to remind us that he has a place for all of us. In Luke 22, verses 19 and 20, we read, And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's drink together. Can we conclude this communion time by reciting the Lord's Prayer together? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive them that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.